Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking and ICBA Securities. My name is Byron Earnhardt, and I'm the Programming Director at Barrett. It is our mission here to serve the community banking industry with information that is informative, relevant, and hopefully we'll have a little fun along the way. So, from Memphis, Tennessee, home of banking, blues, and barbecue, welcome to our little corner of the community banking world. And we hope that we can make your bank, your staff, or maybe just even your day a better one. Welcome back to the show today. Uh, we've got a really fun, fun episode today. Uh, we've got Chris Zingo here with Finastra. And before the call, to, uh, before we hit record on this, we found out we've got a lot of the same musical interests, uh, know this, like a lot of the same music. And so I'm really tempted to throw the script out and throw the questions out and just talk music today. But uh, we, uh, Chris is a, a, is a friend of the show and a friend of the community banking industry and has a lot of the same interest in community banking and helping communities that we share here on the show uh, and working with communities, uh, smaller communities, underserved communities. And uh, so that's why we brought him on the show. So Chris, Welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about Finastra? Sure. Thanks. Great to be here. And this is my favorite topic, particularly if we're able to draw some parallels with uh, blues music. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, So again, thank you for having me. Um, I'm the general manager of Finastra in the Americas. Um, For those of you who don't know Finastra, we're the third largest fintech company in the world. Um, First in terms of pure play software serving 8,000 institutions across 130 countries and delivering end-to-end banking applications around lending, payments, treasury capital markets, and retail. Um, Our scale and geographical reach allows us to serve financial institutions of all size. So from the JP Morgan's, the Banks of America, down to a small community bank and or a credit union or CDFI with one location. As such, we play an important role in the the banking system. Um, For example, we power payments on Apple Card. Uh, we facilitate account openings on Googleplex and the expansion of digital cash cards. We process 25% of all Fedwire volume in the United States on a daily basis. And globally, we serve more than we service more than 70% of the world's syndicated debt on our platforms. Right. So, you know, that scale and geographic relevance allows us um, to again, serve the biggest of the big and the smallest of the small. And expanding those capabilities down to the capillary you know, institution in the United States is, is one of the most important initiatives that we have. Mm. Wow, outstanding. Um, <laughs> in, in, our, in our conversations, and uh, I guess our pre-show and, and before, we, uh, before we met today, uh, you had a lot of great stories about that, some of those capillary uh, capillary. Uh, communities, smaller communities. And so you had some great stories um, that really kind of motivated me. Um, so I guess without violating any privacy rules, uh, could you yeah. tell us some stories about how Finastra has worked with some small banks and some of those small communities? No, ab- absolutely. Um, today in the United States, we have about, we service about 4,500 um, institutions, many of them, you know, regional community banks, uh, credit unions, and again, CDFI institutions. So we do have a broad spectrum. Um, you know, the way we view it is particularly in the current environment with COVID accelerating everything digital and reconfiguring everything physical. Um, plus with the millennial and the, the complete transformation of the UX, 
that's really transforming the way banking services are distributed. Um, now, this is an opportunity, we believe, right, to scale financial services and financial capabilities down to, you know, the capillary institutions and the communities that they serve by making financial services accessible to all, by making it scalable, and by lowering the cost, you basically extend those services to the communities. Um, and you can actually see a tighter connection to the services you're providing banks to the impact it has on their communities, right? So one of the biggest milestones in that was the PPP lending program, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, we had about 560 uh, SBA lenders that we onboarded in two weeks uh, to distribute PPP loans, right? So that they can distribute, process, execute, and service loans at scale, right? Because of the volume and the compressed amount of time. And what we found is after the first round of PPP lending, um, we can see where those loans were placed. We can see by institution, by geography. And one of the glaring observations is that much of the first round of funding of 349 building, billion went to larger institutions with more mature customer base. And the end user within those communities were the larger, more mature mid-market um, corporation, right? Um, so we realized that, you know, the industry had a gap in terms of facilitating getting this capital to some of the underserved communities. So we worked with our partners at Microsoft to virtualize certain capabilities to lower the cost. And literally we did this in weeks to prepare for the second round Um, through our partner, through our owner, Robert Smith, who was working directly um, with the White House and the administration and Secretary Mnuchin that year um, to figure out ways to extend capital. Um, You know, we, facilitate the approval of certain CDFIs, become S- SBA lenders. Um, and we onboarded about 28 of them in, pre- in preparation for the second round. And we distributed the technology and that enabled them, you know, to facilitate PPP loans for their communities. And we saw the results of that. So we use those learnings and the impact on those communities to say, okay, how can we do this broader? Uh, and we made significant investments to, you know, dramatically lower the costs of our lending capabilities um, so that we can extend it to the entire community of relevant CDFIs at a very low cost. And we've launched that initiative and we're gaining traction in the market. Uh, So that's really exciting for us. And again, our mission is to be the number one orchestrator of open finance, right? And this technology and the current market dynamics allow us to accelerate that vision. And we can see the direct impact on the communities that we serve. We're really proud of that. Yeah, you should yeah. be. And we, um, you know, it, we've had uh, Darren Williams from uh, Southern Bank Corps on here as well. You mentioned uh, oh, yeah. at the at the at the White House, and you know, he was in those meetings as well. And mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and everybody I talk to, it always seems to come back to, for obvious reasons, it always seems to come back to uh, 2020 and the lessons learned. Mm-hmm. That that we were able to implement, and whether or not that was in the banking industry, you know, or you know, straight straight up banking, lending, marketing, from fintech, executive, anything. Um, one of the things, and you and I, I think we mentioned this phrase before, is we learned how to do well by doing good, and in, uh, in these it, it, through what happened in 2020, and I think that's interesting. A a, a business y'all size. Um, seeing the opportunity and stepping in and doing good and, you know, 
it's not a charity. You make it. I mean, every, you, you make exactly. money. You're doing well by doing good on this, and I think that's uh, that's outstanding. You mentioned that we, we we talked about CDFIs. Uh, you mentioned CDFIs, and as our listeners know, that's a big passion of mine. Having done some mm-hmm. work with financial literacy uh, here in, in communities uh, through with the CDFI. Um, we've, and we've done some content here in the podcast with CDFIs. What, what's some stuff that uh, Finastra does with some of the CDFIs that speak directly to that, uh, to that market? Right. Well, um, you know, distributing our technology at scale is an important element for the CDFIs because the CDFIs um, historically were somewhat invisible mm. to FinTech, right? Simply because of their side, their scale, their breadth, and their, 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 their ability to invest, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they typically did not have access to technology that allows them to do basic things like lend and service loan at scale, right? And that in itself was, is a constraint. I mean, obviously there's tier one capital, which is a primary constraint, but there's also the ability to lend at scale. Like they don't have the luxury of doing things in-house. They cannot hire five bodies for every 100 million of assets or 50 million or 25 million of assets they bring in. So historically, they've been somewhat invisible to technology innovation, right? PPP, you know, really shined a spotlight on this dynamic. And when we did the analysis outside of capital, um, technology was a main constraint that prevented them from extending capital into the communities. Um, so what we did was leveraged our you know, cloud capabilities and our ability and, and the breadth of the scale, servicing the wide group of clients we have to say, how can we make this as cheap as possible so that we can offer it to a wider group of these CDFI institutions and onboard them and give them the ability to lend at scale, right? Um, so that was the first thing. And we saw that it, it worked, right? In the beta and the initial clients in PPP, that they did see an impact of that. And they did attribute technology as a big limitation. So we invested heavily there. The other thing we did is, you know, um, we have strong relationships. So many of our large banking clients have community developed funding groups. And they spend billions of dollars a year investing in these communities. So not only are we extending technology, but we're facilitating those relationships to seek funding in terms of tier one capital and risk participation to take risk off of their books to manage their ratios. And we're working in partner with large clients, you know, like Wells Fargo, Bank of America, et cetera, to also drive that. Um, and that's exciting. That's very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what do you, and I like to ask this question of all of our uh, FinTech guests, because um, I think it's insightful for, for our, for our, uh, for our listeners, but also I like to learn. I like to hear what y'all's perspective. What do you see the next 15 to 18 months as the, the forever normal becomes the new operating structure? What's Where's data pointing for working with CDFIs over the next year and a half? Um, well, I think, again, I think you'll see um, a, a larger percentage of these institutions that serve underserved community um, procuring access to technology Right, similar to the larger banks that can lend at scale. So technology innovation is a big element of that. The other thing you'll see is you'll see much more capital flowing in to these communities through these financial institutions. Because when you look at the mature banking industry, you know, um, looking at these underserved communities and looking at expanding their SME capabilities is a big part of their future growth. 
you can see a tilt dramatic from the large institutions. And leveraging that inflow of capital into the community is another opportunity uh, for these institutions. What we see in the larger institutions is, you know, this kind of new norm and what we've learned, lesson learned, is one of the things many large banks are doing now is they're rethinking the concept of capital allocation. And they're re rethinking the concept of who their end customer is. Um, and they're extending their walls beyond their end customer to the communities that they serve and working backwards. So if you look at things like financial literacy programs and the technology, um, and if you look at the way banks just look at product management in terms of what solutions should I give my banking customers, you know, a big element of that is community empowerment and investing in programs that empower those institutions' communities. And to me, that is a tremendous opportunity because I think you're going to see innovation um, that, that's exponential, um, that is much more scalable and much more effective to the end user. And a lot of that is now driven from some of the larger institutions. So we're seeing that knock-on effect, which is interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Thanks for that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, community banks have, have gained a lot of uh, small business customers through the pandemic. And I've... Uh, Asking you because I think you've got a, you bring an interesting perspective working with some of the the big banks and the small banks if if I can use that sort of label that we we, we use in the community banking industry. Um, you know, are, are we going to be are, are community banks going to be able to keep them? Have we become adapted digitally well enough to keep these customers, or are we at risk to to losing them? Great question. Um, it's interesting. Um, we did see a lot of commercial growth through SME lending driven by PPT mm -hmm. um, in the first round. And because it was first come first serve, um, many of the smaller clients or many of the SME clients that sit in more of the retail servicing, not commercial, mm -hmm. um, did not have access to the loans because it was first come first serve. Um, and they ended up going to local banks outside of the primary bank that they have right. simply so that they can participate in PPP. Mm -hmm. so, there are many institutions that have driven a lot of commercial growth off the back of that, mm -hmm. um, which is exciting. What, all, what we're also seeing is that the smaller institutions um, were much more aggressive in adopting um, the broader digital capabilities and, and using the financial technology ecosystem to change their customer experience. And we, we've, been able, we've seen that in certain pockets of the market quicker than some of the large institutions. And much of that is out of necessity. Yeah. We say necessity is the mother of invention, but in COVID necessity was the mother of adoption. You know, a lot of the technology existed, they just had to figure out uh, how to use it. And a lot of the barriers in the past were cultural. You know, legacy operating models, legacy way of thinking on how to process a loan, servicing the client, the concept of white glove and high touch, uh, and low volume, right? All of that was flipped on its head. Mm. Um, so one of the opportunities we see for these institutions is they have the ability to consume technology at scale at a much lower cost than has ever been available in the market. And a lot of these regional banks, you know, are accelerating their innovation agenda. And we're able to enable that. And we're mm. seeing that. Um, you know, you'll see banks like Horicon Bank that um, bought a third-party fintech company called Manetto that was an AI-based um, analytics company 
but focused on algorithmic-based savings applications um, that Finastra consumes and distributes to our clients. The bank actually acquired them, right? So now Moneto is their technology arm of a regional bank that's building out their technology event. Seattle Bank, right? They're, they're yep. a beta for us to consume Googleplex and offer digital cards and digital account opening for Seattle Bank through Googleplex. So they can open up their retail market to 22 million potential users that are not in their direct channel. Um, I can give you tens and tens and tens, if not hundreds of examples where these regional banks are now adopting and consuming this capability at scale to drive growth, right? The flip side is the ones that don't, they're going to be challenged. Sure. Right. Sure. So every, right. So everybody today, they're making a decision of what they want to be when they grow up and how they want to get there. And, um, you know, fortunately COVID was a forcing function to accelerate adoption, mm -hmm. but those that don't are going to be challenged. Right. If you look at, and, and quite frankly, there is an element of size and scale mm -hmm. that gives you a competitive advantage. Mm. Right. So if you look at credit unions in the last five years, in aggregate, their assets have gone up by 78% in the last five years. And deposit, and deposit accounts have gone up by same proportion. Um, but if you peel back the onion, um, there are 41% less credit unions today that are less than 100 million in assets than five years ago. Right. There are 32% less credit unions that are greater, that are smaller than 200 million in assets. Conversely, credit unions greater than 400 million in assets, there are 32% more in the last five. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the advantage of scale and, and adoption. And technology is a big enabler there. I've really appreciated your perspective on that because I've we, we keep saying, we keep running into the community banking industry and you read on social media, which it can be a dangerous thing sometimes, <laughs> but you read, uh, you, you, you see, you hear out there, banks can't adopt, community banks, regional banks can't adopt. They're not going to be able to change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I hope my listeners heard <laughs> an executive with the third largest fintech say during the pandemic, it was community and regional banks who were adopting to a digital model faster than the big guys. Yeah, and 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 I think that and and I'm excited to see that. And yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think that's real. Yeah. So, um, and one of the things that it, I think it's relevant to kind of take a step back, and if you look at what technology is enabled in terms of the transformation of just banking in general, we kind of look at it as two sides of the same spectrum, right? If you look at one side of the spectrum, there's the concept of banking as a service, right? Right. Which is you know the which was built off of open banking. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and what really that means is banks transforming the way they deliver, deliver financial services. So moving from a siloed channel model where they control the customer experience on legacy technology to embedding banking capabilities into the ecosystem of their customers so that their customers can consume banking services in their natural environment. Right. Whether it's a small business accounting system, right, or whether it's an Amazon portal where they're buying something online. So embedding capabilities into the ecosystem is one side. The other side of the spectrum is what we call conscious banking, which where the institution makes a deliberate um, position where they're going to own the customer experience at all ends. Right? At the middle is platform technology, which we enable. 
right? So we, we connect our customers' banking services with FinTech, and we also allow them to consume that same technology to transform their own customer experience, right? Two sides of the same spectrum. The community banks have been the biggest consumers of that technology we've been able to bring in from FinTech, right? Uh, so that they can continue to transform the customer experience and drive their costs down. And we're seeing a lot of momentum in that area. Mm. Outstanding, Chris. I'm afraid I'm going to have to probably bring you back on the podcast so we could talk more music and banking. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even need to bring you to Memphis and get you some barbecue and we'll just do the whole blues, banking blues and barbecue love, love to, uh, love trifecta to. on that, buddy. Well, listen, uh, I appreciate, <laughs> appreciate your time, man. Why don't you tell our listeners uh, how they can uh, get in touch with you to find out more about Finastra? Oh, um, well, again, thank you. Appreciate the time. Really love to be here. This is a topic we're all passionate about. Um, we could probably have spent the whole day yes. <laughs> talking about it. Um, but yeah, it's very simple. Just, just go to www.finastra.com um, and you'll, you'll get a, a full experience on our landing page and you can navigate to where you need to be. Um, also, um, if you look at www.fusionfabric.com, if you're a developer, you can sign up as a developer in a self-service model virtually and you can get access to our technology and start developing um, technology off of our underlying banking services. Um, those, so those would be the two areas. That and if you were <laughs> one of those, we didn't talk about that one. You just you opened up a whole other. You just you just got your next topic for me right there, buddy. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, if you're one of those banks that uh, you know have a technology arm or have a. Uh, I know some banks that have sort of taken some dead floor space, uh, dead square footage and, and legacy branches and have turned it into fintech oh, yeah. incubators. Again, an executive with the third largest fintech in the world just told everybody how to get in touch with them and help learn how to program and build off their technology for your bank. We'll, we'll, onboard, <laughs> you for, we'll onboard you for free. We'll give you access to our platform technology. It allows you to develop and you'll get access to all of our APIs. I, I, I can't, I can't call on a podcast. I can't cough or put a sign and say, I hope you paid attention <laughs> to this, but insert, I, I, imagine in your mind, a, a, a fat bearded Southern redneck boy saying, hope y'all listen to that. <laughs> Chris, thanks a lot, buddy, for your time. Uh, we're definitely going to bring you back on the show. Uh, appreciate everything. We're going to have those websites in the show notes uh, directly beneath the, uh, directly beneath this on your phone or your tablet and on the show page. Uh, if you're listening to this on, uh, on social media, thanks a lot, Chris. Appreciate Pleasure. your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on the latest episode. We'd also appreciate a five-star rating as well, as that will help get the content out to more listeners. We appreciate ICBA Securities for their sponsorship, and if you would like to know more about quality investment products, services, and education at competitive prices, check out their website at icbasecurities.com. And finally, if you don't follow Barrett on our social media platforms, be sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up to date with all the cool new things that we've got coming up. And as always, from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of banking, blues, and barbecue, thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a great day.